Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. If you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, of course, this weekend we are talking about the greatest story of all time, the Christmas story, and it's not the Charlie Brown version, all right? This is the Bible, and there is no doubt that this is the greatest story of all time. I know many of you have heard this story many, many times, and, and it's easy when we've heard a story or seen a movie many, many times, it's easy just kind of to check out and go, yep, know how it ends, seen it, been there, done that, great. Uh, I would challenge you not to respond to this story in that manner. Never get comfortable with the miraculous. Always let it be a shocking surprise to you. Think about it. When you buy someone a gift for Christmas and they open it up and they go, eh, makes you want to punch them a little bit, right? Be honest. Come on. Come on. This is the third service. Let's not all be pretentious, okay? Yeah, you know, you put a lot of sweat, a lot of thought, a lot of money into the gift, and your child opens it up and it's, ah, oh, thank you. You're like, I'm going to strangle you. <laughs> Give me my money back. This gift right here, though. It's the gift. It is the gift. And my goal with this message is to try and take this gift, the story of Christ's birth, and get you to take it like a diamond and turn it just a little bit and maybe see some things in a new way that you haven't seen before. Have you ever been given a gift at Christmas time and this person has been really hyping up the gift for weeks? Oh, I cannot wait for you to open this one gift. You know, they, they, they start priming the pump weeks in advance. And so, I mean, your, your expectation just starts building and, and the excitement is growing. And, and now it's Christmas Day and you take the gift and they're just going, oh, I can't wait for you to open this. This is going to be amazing. It's the best gift I've ever given. You rip off the wrapping paper. You tear open the box. You throw out the tissue paper and you look down in the box and you can't hide the look on your face. But it looks something like this. And your face communicates the obvious statement. What is it? And you know you're in trouble when someone gives you a gift and they utter these words as you open it. Do you know what it is? It probably means it's pottery that they made in some class or something. Who knows? You never want to hear, do you know what it is? Because it means... Either the gift is crazy or it's complicated. The title of this message is, Do You Know What It Is? Do you know what this gift is? I'm going to give you four answers to this question. Do you know what this gift named Jesus really is? I know you know the gift, but do you know what it really is? And here's the first answer to this question, do you know what it is? It is the biggest surprise ever. It is the biggest surprise ever. Now, 
How many of you hate surprises? Just put your hand up high. Okay, put it up high. Put it up high, way high, all right? Don't be bashful. You hate surprises. Okay, here's what we call you, control freaks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, but not really. That's <laughs> what you are. Just own it. Own it, okay? I hate surprises. Yep, there's a reason for that, because you love control, okay? Hate surprises. Well, one of my concerns about the way many believers walk their walk with Jesus is that there are no surprises. There's no room for surprises. Everything is just predictable and expected. Now, one of the things I love about the story of the birth of Jesus Christ is Joseph. I love trying to take a look at this story through the eyes of Joseph. So, for point number one, I want you to put yourself in Joseph's position, all right? Let's read in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Yeshua, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, I understand that Scripture says that Joseph was a righteous man, and so he handled it righteously. Okay, but you and I both know if you were Joseph, you and I would not handle it quite as righteously, right? I mean, just, just imagine. I just kind of imagine that the whole deal went down like this with Mary, okay? Remember that game M.A.S.H.? The ladies remember it, you know, that... that I don't know how you bend the paper, and it's just, mm-hmm, and, and if you, you answer certain questions. And I could just imagine Mary and Joseph playing MASH one day during their engagement, and Mary going, how much money do you think you'll make? How, how, how big do you think our house will be? And just as she says, how many kids do you think we'll have? Something pops in her belly. She didn't know what it is. So a couple weeks go by. She realizes she's late. How do you go tell Joseph? You think you're pregnant. Maybe it went something like this. Mary approaches Joseph and she says, Jojo Bear, hasn't this courtship, this engagement been amazing? It's just been so incredible. I, I mean, just doing things the way we've done them. I mean, you, you doing things so, so righteously, and, and you've never touched a woman before, and me, I've done things so righteously. I have never, ever, 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 ever touched a man before. But Jojo Bear, uh, something's happening on the inside of me. What is it, Mayor Bear? <laughs> I'm preggers. 
your what? I'm El Pregnante. Are you telling me you are pregnant? Well, wait, 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 wait a minute. Hold on just a second. You're pregnant? We've never... That's impossible. Joseph, I'm telling you, I'm pregnant. Who did this? It was John, wasn't it? I'm going to kill him. I'm literally going to kill him. I knew he had the hots for you. It wasn't John, nor was it any other man. Joseph, it was the Holy Spirit that did this. That's what they all say. Don't you try and play the God card on me. You know you got with somebody. Kit, listen. I know it's kind of funny, but that's probably how we would have been. And think about this for a moment. Think about how many times in your life God has done something incredible. But when it didn't look like you expected it to look at first, your temptation was to run from it. In doing so, looking at something God calls a blessing and in your heart swearing it was a curse. If Joseph would have bounced, he would have missed out on what was the greatest surprise of his lifetime. I believe the story of the birth of Jesus Christ reminds us as followers of Jesus Christ, make room for the sweet surprises God brings. Don't let things get predictable. There is only one way. If you say everything in my life is, is going exactly as I expected, there is only one explanation for that. You're the one in control of your life. That's the only explanation. If everything is going exactly as you expected, you're in control, not God. Joseph reminds us, if you're not happy with something God is doing at first, let it play out. Let his plan play out. Even though it's not what you expected, when God is involved, Nothing goes like you expected. But in the end, everything goes better than you planned. What is this gift? It is the greatest surprise ever. Point number two, it's the most romantic plan ever. Okay, let's be uh, just transparently vulnerable right now. How many of us with two days left before Christmas, still have a few gifts yet to buy for someone we love. Would you put your hand up and let's all celebrate ourselves together? It's called procrastination, people. Wear it like a badge, right? And I get it. None of us are perfect. Things get in the way. Certain seasons are busier than others. There's no excuse, but I, I get it, right? But think back to a time where months in advance, you were preparing a particular gift for someone you love. I mean, you, you were just fashioning the details. It, it was a more complicated gift. You know, anybody can give a gift card, right? That's the least complicated gift. And a bunch of the men are like, 
There's still time. Get her something else, all right? But the more complicated a gift, the more time it takes to prepare it before you give it, right? One of the most romantic things you can do is not just give a gift, but it is to spend time planning the gift and how you give it. In fact, the more time you take planning a gift, typically, the more it communicates how special the gift is and the intended recipient of the gift. I want to show you in Scripture why I can confidently say Jesus is the most romantic gift ever given. All the way back in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, nearly 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, God says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child, capital C, is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 700 years before the birth of Christ, God is planning, he is fashioning his plan to give you this gift. 700 years, people. We are proud of ourselves when we plan for seven months. Now, I don't know about you, and you may not know this about me, but I am the world's worst waiter as it relates to giving gifts. Every gift of Christmas in my house has already been open, and most of them for over a week now. And people are like, well, what do you do on Christmas? I was like, we talk about Jesus. What do you do? Open gifts. Wah, wah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm not that guy. Okay? It's really not about that. It's really when I buy you a gift, I don't want to hold on to it. I want to give it. I don't like to hold on to your gift. I like you to have your gift. So usually I wait. I wait to buy my Christmas gifts because I just know. If I start in November, we're going to have Christmas before Thanksgiving. <laughs> I cannot buy on Black Friday because Come Saturday, Christmas is over. <laughs> Why? Because I love to give gifts, all right? 700 years, he fashioned this plan. For 700 years, many mornings, saying, oh, I can't wait till she opens this gift. I'm going to make it happen just like this. Oh, it's going to be the most memorable gift opening in all of human history. Can't wait till he opens this. 700 years. But he doesn't stop there. He didn't spend 700 years planning a gift card. This is the most complicated gift in human history. And let me show you 700 years before. Listen to what he says. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin... The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and shall call his name Emmanuel. Did you ever play pig growing up? I was a basketball player, so I always played horse and pig. And we had one rule when we played horse or pig. Anybody know what that rule might be? Call your shot, right? Because you always had that one friend who would make some crazy lucky shot and then go, take that. Take what? You didn't even mean to do that. Yeah, make that shot. No, you didn't call it. If you don't call it, it doesn't count, right? Okay, think about this for a moment. 700 years before he takes the shot, God stands up and declares to humanity, let me tell you about this shot I'm going to take 700 years from now. Off the rafters, off that light, outside the building, off the airplane flying down the runway, back into the building, off the link sign, back into this room, off the backboard, nothing but net. That's impossible. Not for a God who is limitless, it's not. Part of what God was doing in saying, the virgin, this ain't going to be just any baby. A virgin is going to give birth to this child. Part of God doing that, I believe, was him saying, look at me, look at me. This baby is not normal. Neither will your life be when you walk with him. But he doesn't stop there. I wish I could just say, 700 years out, he started planning this gift. But I want to show you in the New Testament, his romantic planning to give you this gift started long before 700 years. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan, watch this, from the beginning of time. Doesn't say that, does it? From before the beginning of time. His plan was to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. That is just showing off right there. Some of you don't even know where you'll be a week from now. Before God ever even clicked the start button on the egg timer of humanity, he was fashioning his plan to woo you with a gift no one else could top. Why? Why would he give it like that? I'll tell you why. Because this ain't no gift card. And you're not as normal as you think. You are far more valuable than you can wrap your mind around. And so before the beginning of time, he was fashioning this plan to woo you, to overwhelm you with this gift named Jesus. That brings us to point number three. What is it? It is the greatest gift ever given. Jesus is the greatest gift ever given. Now, there are a lot of different names that Jesus was given, prophetically, even before his birth on the earth. And Maybe one year I'll go through a bunch of these names because there's, there's power in his name. We know that. 
But since I don't have that much time, I want to take two of the names, two of the titles Jesus was given even before he was ever born. And the goal in doing so is to get you to take this diamond that you think you know so much about and go, huh, I've never seen it like that before in my life. Here's the first title, the first name Jesus was given long before his birth. We've already said it, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Many of us have heard that name. Many of us know the meaning of that name. But I wonder if we can fully grasp the weight of that name. Interestingly enough, probably the most felt need in a fallen world is loneliness. We know this because one of the very first things God says about man is it is not good for man to be alone. God was not just talking about marriage in that moment. That was a part of it. He was also talking about the loneliness we are born with in our soul that no man or woman can fill. In a fallen world, loneliness is at the top of the list of felt needs. And isn't it amazing that out of all of the names the God of the universe could have given this baby, he said, you know what this baby's gonna be called? God with you. Not God far from you, not God running from you, God with you. This week as I was studying, I was going through the different names and titles Jesus was given before his birth. I felt the Lord say, Preston, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. So I closed my eyes and I felt him say, I want you to go back to when you were eight years old and school was getting out. All of the kids were heading to the parking lot. Half of them were going to buses. That was their ride home. The other half were being picked up by parents, family members, friends. And within 10 minutes of the last bell of the day ringing, more than half of the children were gone, and five minutes later, almost all of the children were gone, except for 15. There are 15 children waiting on the sidewalk for their ride home. Five minutes after that, there were only six left. Three minutes after that, everyone's gone but you, son. You are the only one who hasn't been picked up. I was just seeing myself sitting on the curb Wondering, do they forget about me? Am I, how long am I going to be here? Am I going to be waiting all night? And then it was like I saw the enemy walk up and start taunting me. Preston, everybody's been picked up but you. Everyone's gone home but you. Nobody cares about you. That's why you're still here. It's always going to be like this because you are not special. No one's coming from you because you're a loser. And just piling it on this little eight-year-old child. And then I saw Jesus pull up. 
And before I could hear my flesh say, where were you? All I heard myself saying in my office, I started crying and I said, you came. I can't believe you came. You came for me. I can't believe this. I deserve to be stuck here forever. Why did you come for me? You came for me. Preston, that's right. My name is God with you. I will not leave you. I have come for you. And you know how I sometimes hear the Lord, it was like I felt God go, that's his name, don't wear it out. I was undone. Do you realize? God didn't just come for humanity. He came for you. He sent his son for you. That's what you mean to him. He sent Emmanuel. Not God from afar. God up close. God with you. The second title that I love that Jesus has given long before his birth is the title of Savior. And he will save his people from their sins. And here was the picture the Lord gave me on this one. He said, Preston, I want you to imagine that you're in a massive courthouse about to stand before the most important judge on the earth. There you stand in the hallway, just outside the doors to the courtroom, waiting for your name to be called, knowing what's about to go down, knowing you're guilty. No one is there with you. You are all by yourself. And just then, the doors swing open, and a man on the inside of the doors shouts out for all to hear, this is James Preston Morrison. He's a liar. He's a cheater. He's a thief. He's profane. He's defiled. He's filthy. He's a fool. He's a loser. This is James Preston Morrison, judge. And he comes to stand before you today on his own merit. And the judge, looking at the case against me, says you're guilty. And the penalty is death. He said, now Preston, I want you to go back out in the hallway. And I want to show you how it really goes. Just because I sent my son for you. Go out into the hall standing outside the doors, waiting for your name to be called. Just before the doors open, my son approaches you, puts his hands on your shoulders and says, trust me, everything's going to be okay. Jesus, I'm about to stand before the judge, and I know I'm guilty. I did it. I've done it all. I'm about to die. It's 
all going to be okay. And the doors swing open, and just before the man shouts my name, Jesus says, hey, one more thing before you go in. And he covers me in his blood. And I walk into the courtroom, and the man inside the door says, this is James Preston Morrison. We have searched high and low, near and far, for the list of his errors, his mistakes, his sins. But judge, I regret to inform you, we were unable to find his list. And right then the judge says, then I have no other option. Not guilty. I mean, I saw this picture as clear as day in my office this week, and I just felt the Lord say, Preston, this never could have happened without the blood of my son. But he never could have died for you had he never been born for you. And he never could have been born for you had I not first sent him for you. Preston, I did this for you. God did that for you. And that leads us to the fourth and final point. What is it? It is a gift that demands a response. It's a gift that demands a response. If you're in Matthew chapter 1, look over in Matthew chapter 2. And I want you to see how the first responders responded to the greatest gift ever given. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we've come to worship him. Verse 7 says, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. It was a trick. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. What are the chances? When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the baby with his mother. And they bowed down. And they worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Have you ever given a really special gift to someone? And their response was simply, yeah. Eh, it's okay. It's kind of offensive, isn't it? I wonder how many days of our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, it seems as though our response to the greatest gift ever given is a mirror. Mm. It's okay. How do you respond? What is an appropriate response to the greatest gift ever given? 
Here's the answer. You give him the one thing he came to give you. Life. You lay it all down for him. Every morning you wake up like that eight-year-old child on Christmas morning. What? This is for me? Are you kidding me? You did all this for me? You're giving this to me? You're not taking this away from me? This is mine? That's right. I did this for you. A gift this good deserves, and dare I say, even demands an extravagant response every moment of your life for the rest of your life. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.